Grace and peace to you this morning. We want to welcome you here this morning. We're so glad for your presence today. If you have a Bible, you might be opening it to the the book of 2 John, which is towards the end of your Bible. I know it's sometimes uh, hard to find. We've been uh, doing this series of lessons on little letters, and and, and these are small letters in the New Testament, and usually they're just a page or two in your Bible, and so when you're flipping through, it's easy to pass by them. But um, if you find 1 John or Revelation, then you should know that you're close to, to 2 John. Just keep turning, and you'll find it in just a minute. Uh, things are going to be a little bit different the next couple of weeks. Next week, we have a visiting missionary with us, um, the Taylor family, who are planning to go to Japan in 2020, and we're going to be the sponsoring congregation for them. And so we have a special relationship with them. You know, a lot of times when we talk about missionaries, these are people that uh, we just might give a little bit of money to and, and help them in their mission efforts. But, but it's more than that with the Taylors. We're their sponsoring congregation, so we're going to be helping them with the work. And so we invite you uh, to be here for services, but there's also going to be some other opportunities to get to know that family and get acquainted with them. The week after that, we have a men's day on Saturday, September 14th. And then that following Sunday, Jim Martin, who is one of our speakers for the Men's Day, he's going to stay with us, and he's going to be here talking about the family. So I invite you to be here for that as well. Let's begin our service, or our, our sermon this morning, by reading Second John. The elder to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth, Because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever, grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, in truth and love. I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we were commanded by the Father. And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one we have had from the beginning that we love one another. And this is love that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment just as you have heard from the beginning so that you should walk in it. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. For whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. Though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. Instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. The children of your elect sister greet you. Well, the letters of of 2nd and and 3rd John are are the smallest in the New Testament. And they're often overshadowed by their big brother, 1st John. And so we tend to be much more familiar with 1st John uh, than with 2nd or 3rd John. And if you look at these letters closely, you'll see that 1 John is a more general letter, where 2 and 3 John are addressing some specific issues. We're looking at 2 John this morning. Here's some facts about it. The author, we're told, is the elder. Well, who is this? 
Well, from, you know, kind of clues that we can put together from other letters and from the Gospel of John, we can determine that this is John the Apostle. It has 13 verses. The audience here, who, who the letter is written to, is the elect lady and her children. Again, who is this? Uh, is John being literal here? Is this a, a real person that he's writing to and her family? Is this a lady who has a house church in her home? Possibly. Many have thought that this is more figurative language, which this is a, a church that he's writing to. The church in Scripture is called the Bride of Christ. The church is personified as a lady or a woman, just like uh, oftentimes a ship is personified as a lady or woman. So uh, it's very likely that um, this is who he's talking about, a, a specific church. And the purpose of the letter is to warn against traveling teachers spreading a dangerous message. Some interesting facts is some believe this letter accompanied 1 John and may have acted as a cover letter, that they may have went out together. Uh, what is evident is that 1 and 2 John are closely related. They contain uh, some of the same vocabulary, the same themes. They make use of simple language and short sentences, but they provide a message that is deep and challenging. And so to read these letters is like a meditation. It is to meditate on the themes of love and truth. Because John keeps coming back to these themes over and over again. And so Jesus gives us what we call the, the great commands. We just sung those before we began this lesson. That the, the first great command is to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. The second one is to love our neighbor as ourselves. Well, in the letters of John, we learn that, that these two commands are related. Uh, for instance, in John, uh, 1 John 4.20, he says, If anyone says, I love God, so he's talking about this first great command here. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, your neighbor, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. So what, what John is saying is that we cannot separate the two great commands because they are intertwined. And so we show our love for God by loving one another. And if we cannot love the people right in front of us, he says, then we do not love God. And so loving others is one of the most important things that the, the church does. And we should be loving our neighbors. We should be loving um, our community. We should be loving the poor in our community. We should be loving our enemies. We should be loving uh, the, the people in the church and caring for one another. And the work of, of loving one another is not secondary. It's not something that is optional. You know, We love God, the first great command, by loving one another. And so John spends much of 1 John meditating on this theme and kind of uh, thinking about it. And he, he returns to it in 2 John where he says, And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one we have from the beginning, that we love one another. And so he says, you know, what I'm telling you here is not anything new. It is from the beginning. Well, what does this mean? It's another way of saying 
that this is one of the great commands. Love God and love your neighbor. Everything flows from these two commands. They are the foundation for all that we do. They are the source from which the church operates. They are the beginning, as he says here, where it all starts. And so it's no wonder that John devotes so much time to reflecting on what these commands mean. And he gives us something else to think about in verse 6. He says, and this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. And so what does it mean to love God? Well, it means that we love one another. It also means that we keep his commandments. We cannot love God and reject what he says. We cannot love God and turn our back on Christian ideals. And so to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength is to follow him. It is to want to be like him. It is to walk in the footsteps of Jesus, to do what Jesus did, to imitate his actions, and to obey his commands. Now the problem in our day and age is we have, I think, forgotten what love is. And so if you ask, you know, what's love? People think, well, love is an emotion. Uh, People get married or they enter a relationship because they think that they're going to get something out of it. Well, that's not love. Love is sacrifice. Love is commitment. And so to love is to sacrifice for one another. It is the, the good Samaritan who stops to help a wounded man. It is giving not just your coat, but your cloak as well. It is going the extra mile. It is Jesus, bloody and beaten on a cross, thinking not of himself, but of the whole world. That's love. Love is also commitment. It is binding ourselves to another person. It's not giving up, no matter what happens. In sickness and in health, for richer or poorer, till death do us part. Those vows mean something. And our baptism is like a wedding ceremony because we are giving ourselves to God. We're promising to follow Him no matter where it takes us. We're saying that we love Him and we show our love by following His commands. And so we're bound to God, and we should not want to do anything else. Well, John writes this letter because there is the possibility that some visiting preachers might come to this church and that they might want to share a message. And he tells them if they do, uh, not to welcome them. This is kind of strange because in other places in Scripture, we're told to welcome strangers. In fact, it's a command. Hebrews 13, 2, welcome strangers. That's something we do as Christians. And so if we're to welcome strangers, people who don't even believe, then why was this congregation not to welcome these visiting preachers? Well, it's because they were spreading a dangerous message. And John was trying to protect this church. And he tells us what this message was in 2 John 7. He says, For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Christ in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Now we have to be careful here because 
Some have taken this warning in 2 John not to welcome certain teachers. And they've applied it to a whole lot of different things. And they've gone beyond the instructions of 2 John. And they've said that we cannot welcome teachers because, you know, we might disagree on the Holy Spirit or we might have different ideas on fellowship or whatever it is. But that's not what John has in mind here. John is talking about someone who is denying the incarnation of Jesus. And so this would be like someone denying the resurrection of Jesus or denying that Jesus died on the cross. In fact, that's somewhat what they're doing. Because if Jesus doesn't come on the flesh, he can't die on the cross. And so they'd say something, well, that you just, it was just an image. It was just a ghost. And so they're denying that he even died on a cross. And so this is serious heresy, you know. And the problem is that over the years, people have taken warnings against heresy, and then they've applied them to whatever they don't like. And, and this is a travesty because it has caused division in the church where there should be none. We're not going to agree on, on everything, and that's okay. We can disagree on a lot of things and still be brothers and sisters in Christ. John was trying to prevent heresy from being proclaimed in the church. So he tells them, do not welcome anyone who denies that Jesus uh, came in the flesh. And we should do the same. If someone comes and denies that, then we don't welcome them. But we shouldn't take this passage and try to apply it to our interpretations or, you know, our traditions or any other minor disagreements that we might have with others. Because we should seek the unity of the church in all that we do. The, the next verse is important because it's personal. And it's about how we should live our lives as Christians. And so he says, watch yourselves so you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. And so John is speaking directly to the congregation, but, but we can also read this as the Bible speaking directly to us. This is a message for us today. It's what we need to hear. And he says, watch yourselves, not watch your neighbor or watch what's going on on social media or whatever. He says, watch yourselves. And so he's telling us to examine our own lives. Pay attention to what's going on in your life. Are you having some struggles? Are you facing temptation? Are you worried? Are you depressed? You, more than anyone else, know what is going on in your life. And so be aware of what is happening. And if you're struggling with something or you're wrestling with a temptation, then don't face that alone. Reach out to someone. Get some help. Because we're all in this together. No one's going to look down on you because you're facing temptation. Because we all face temptation. The important thing is that we need to be able to recognize when we're maybe struggling, when we get ourselves into some trouble, 
so we can address this before it gets out of hand. And we do this, he says, so that you may not lose what we have worked for. And I know there's a textual variant here, and your version may say something slightly different, but I love the pronouns in this translation. So that you may not lose that what we have worked for. Um, Christianity is not something that you do on your own. We do it together. In the book of Acts, when a person is saved, they are immediately added to the church. And so you cannot be saved and not belong to a church. It's impossible. We're in this together. We're helping one another become like Jesus. We're helping each other with our struggles. We're helping each other uh, in this journey that we're on. And so don't give up because you're not just giving up on yourself. You're giving up on what we've all worked to accomplish. You're giving up on your brothers and sisters. You're giving up on God and Jesus. And Christianity is a community of people working together towards a common goal. And we're striving towards that full reward that God has promised us. We have a bright future. And Jesus will return one day to make all things right. And his church, the faithful, will dwell with him forever. And we will be in the presence of God and we will have resurrected bodies and we will dwell in the new heavens and the new earth and we will enjoy many blessings. So be careful what you do with your life. Pay attention. Don't give up. Keep pressing on. Well, nowadays you sometimes hear people say, I want to be on the right side of history. And that's an impossible task because history is always changing. What is the right side of history today might not be the right side of history tomorrow. Our world is fluid, it's unpredictable. And if we're putting our hope and trust in being on the right side of history, then we're all doomed. But what we can do and what we can say is that I want to be on the right side of God. I want to be counted among his people. I want to belong to the church. I want to be saved from my sins. I want to place my hope and trust in Jesus, no matter what the world says or thinks. Because the writer of Hebrews says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he's not going to change on us. And we can be on his side And his side will always be the right side. So I leave you this morning with the the same words that John gave to the church nearly 2,000 years ago. Watch yourselves so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. Let's pray. Father God, uh, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to open your word and be challenged by it. We uh, know that your word is living and active. It is working in our lives. It pierces our soul and our heart. And we uh, thank you that we have this today, that it encourages us and it 
helps to transform us into the image of your Son. Be with us as we strive to press on in this world, to be a light to those around us, to be an example of love and truth in all that we do. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.